Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Hello, everyone, again, and welcome to the Not Gonna Lie podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and it was a crazy day of football uh, we saw just about everything. I think yeah, I, I'm I'm struggling to think of something that might have made this day better, but it was it was full of everything. Maybe a Colts win, um, but we have a great show for you today. Jameis One of One comes back on the podcast as he has done every fourth week, and this is a big one. We talk Saints Bucks. We talk about QBs of the future, uh, and as always, we talk a little bit of Jameis Winston. So fantastic interview, great guest as always. Uh, here he is. We now welcome back on again a very special guest, a friend of the program. It's Jameis One of One. <laughs> How you doing, brother? It's, it's, uh, it's, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, but I imagine that you are probably doing better than I am because we just got done watching uh, the, the Saints-Bucks game uh, where it was an absolute blowout, 38-3, to uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I mean, there were a lot of unexpected things that happened today, a lot of crazy things that we're going to get into, but I can say without any hyperbole that this was probably the most unexpected thing of the night, coming in and, and the Saints just absolutely blowing the lid off of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Am I wrong for thinking that? No, I mean, um, uh, my guy Nader, he's a uh, um, he runs, I think it's called Sports Overtime in New Orleans. He um tweeted out about like 16 different experts you know on all the different shows they all picked the Buccaneers to win you know the Buccaneers were the Vegas favorites I mean basically everybody had the Bucks winning um I ran a poll like a week ago and it was saying you know who would win Saints a close one Saints by 10 plus Bucks a close one Bucks by 10 plus and basically everybody was voting for the Bucks and a lot of people were voting for the Bucks you know to blow the Saints out so this was this shocked most people definitely yeah and, and we saw Every quarterback get get some reps, get some time in, including Jameis Winston. Uh, as, as we all know, that that's his former team, and, and that's a, a an organization that you've had a lot of back and forth with um, over these past few years with with your book. I mean, it's got to be justifying. You look at uh, I, I saw the Saints uh, official Twitter page tweeted at you, um, you know, and, and you're just kind of sitting here thinking, all right, this is you know, it, it's a you know, you're, you're a brand. I think I think it's fair to say that you are a brand. Um, and that this was a, a very good, very good night for the Jameis one of one brand. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, you could say that. Um, I don't, I mean, everybody knows that I, you know, I really value my anonymity. Um, so I'm not making, you know, I'm not looking to make a name for myself Mm -hmm. because nobody knows who I am. Um, but I have fun, you know, I have fun on Twitter and, um, I saw, you know, when the saints uh, tweeted at me. The organization, you know, I replied and I, I put a tweet up and I said, um, uh, I'll read it here. It just says, everyone in the Saints organization, media and fan base has treated me like royalty. And I have a ton of respect and love for all of them. The Buccaneers organization was a clown show. Their media was on ethical snakes. Their GM, Jason Light, whined to Jameis Winston about me. And Bruce Arian's son and even his daughter-in-law cursed me out. You know, they, they like freaked out on me. So, I mean, yeah, I'm loving New Orleans. Um, They've just—they've all been classy. I mean, everybody, every media member that I've that I've DM'd with or talked with, every single person there—the fans, the organization, everybody has been has just treated me great. And it's it's night and day from Tampa. I mean, the media in Tampa hated me. The uh, Jason Light liked me for a while. You know, he showed up on a on a barstool thing 
um, when I was being interviewed, he showed up there, and it sort of helped me out and helped him out as well because that was when people thought I was him. Um, you know, but Light recently blocked me, and I actually haven't been that hard on him. You know, I actually praised him for signing Josh Rosen. Uh, I praised him for signing Antonio Brown. Um, but he blocked me recently, you know, leading up to this game, which is a little weird. Um, you know, and Bruce Arians, his family, you know, hasn't liked me for a while, although the daughter-in-law seemed to be okay with me at the end. But, yeah, I mean, I just I have a lot of respect for the way the Saints have treated me, you know, uh, let alone how they're handling, you know, everything uh, with the team. I mean, they've, they've suffered a ton of injuries this year, and yet they're 6-2. and two. Uh, Sean Payton... Is, is he's magnificent. Mm-hmm. I mean, the difference between when I see this game tonight, you know, I, I was watching this game and then I kind of like rewatched a bunch of it. Um, you know, I don't see this as some indictment on Tom Brady. I don't see this as Drew Brees just outplayed Brady. Of course, he did, but I see this as as uh, Sean Payton took Bruce Arians to the woodshed and just beat him. I mean, this was like Nick Saban against a Division Two coach. <laughs> And and that that doesn't surprise me. The outcome, the thirty-eight to three, that surprised me. Um, but the you know the beatdown in a way doesn't surprise me because Peyton, he's maniacal. I mean, he he is a guy who puts in the hours. He's a genius and he's a hard worker. Bruce Arians is known as a guy who's lazy, who does not put in the hours, who goes out drinking, who goes home you know when other other assistants are staying later. So this doesn't surprise me. I think the weak link in Tampa is actually Bruce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and um, obviously, you know, I, I believe that you know you're not just making up these stories, and there is proof of, of that. But you know, saying these things, it, it's no wonder why the Arians family may be a little bit, uh, you know, iffy about you at times. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, you, you're so right. And you look at these these two teams. The Bucks have been having some really great weeks of football. The Saints, as you said, were dealing with injuries. They, they had guys starting to come back now, and the Bucks had just added Antonio Brown, and everybody's saying, well, that's a wrap. This is a an elite defense. This is a, a, a great receiving core, probably one of the best in the NFL when they added A.B. Who's going to stop them? Well, it turns out we didn't have to wait very long um, to find out that they're not even, you know, they're, they're not the best team in the NFC, and they're not even the best team in their own division. I, and I think you're absolutely right. These The Saints getting healthy is going to be big. Uh, in in getting them to where they want to go, I, I mean, I had them going to the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year, and this is kind of the the kind of ex- uh, performances that we expected. Um, and I know, like you said, this isn't on Tom Brady, but the Tom Brady we saw tonight was a stark contrast to what we had seen from these previous weeks. Is there? I mean, was it all on the the scheme and and play calling of Arians, or was you know w- what else led to Tom Brady's probably one of the worst nights he's had as as a Tampa Bay Buck to this point? Well, yeah, Tom Brady got to live the life of Jameis tonight. You know, he didn't get any run support. And mm-hmm. what did he do? He did basically nothing. I mean, three interceptions and three points? you, you got to be kidding me. I mean, that, Jameis Winston has never had a game that inept, you know, mm-hmm. in his life. And I'm not just talking the NFL. I'm talking the NFL, college, high school, junior high, and Pop Warner. He's never looked that inept. He's never, you know, moved the ball and scored so little. Um, but Brady had no run support tonight. And he actually had to be Jameis tonight. You know, over this year, a lot of people, you know, they're raving about Brady's stats and stuff, but it's, it's played out exactly as I said it would in that he'd have a nice year, he'd have the good yards numbers, good touchdown numbers, and a lower interception total because check the advanced metrics. He's not throwing to the sticks the way Jameis did. He's running a ton of checkdowns. I think he's second in the NFL and throws to running backs. Even though he's taking some big shots, it's still mostly the short game. And their running game was like 33% more effective. I, I put a tweet out about that. 
than it was last year. So if Brady gets that kind of help, he can thrive, and the Bucks can be fantastic on offense. But tonight, you know, you saw their run game got shut down, and Tom had to be Jameis circa 2019. And it looked terrible. It looked mm-hmm. way worse than Jameis has ever looked at any point in his career. Um, so I think the key for Tampa going forward, it's always been, you know, they got to protect Tom, and tonight he was sacked three times and hit a bunch. But it's also they've got to be able to run the ball effectively. And it's something they haven't, you know, they weren't able to do from, say, 2016 through 2019. But this year they, they, they looked pretty good. Um, but the Saints just, I mean, they just destroyed them. They, they, they took it to them from the beginning. Um, they won the Battle of the Trenches. They just killed them. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. And, and if Jared Cook doesn't fumble at the two-yard line, that's 28 points in one quarter. Uh, so, you know, part of it is, you know, it, it's hard to see or it's not hard to see why they didn't abandon the run game was because they were down multiple scores. Uh, you, you, you blinked your eyes, and, it, and, you know, this game was already over in the first quarter pretty much. Um, so, yeah, part of that, too, um, you know, the, the, the defense to an extent also has to, has to take a share of the blame. But this is a very exciting night for, for the city of New Orleans. They've kind of put themselves back on the map as one of the premier Super Bowl teams, Super Bowl contending teams in the NFC and, and in the NFL in general. Um, and, and this will transition into our next topic here. Uh, I want to talk about what these Super Bowl contenders are missing. So let's start with these first two teams because although you know the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did get blown out, they are still in that Super Bowl conversation. But what are both of these teams missing to get them over the hump uh, come January, February? Well, with the Saints, I, I really think it's only health. I think the Saints are, you know, a premier team in the NFL. I don't think they they really need anything. They just need to remain healthy. And people were kind of down on them, but, you know, they were running out just different lineups constantly. I mean, Mm -hmm. they've had problems on the offensive line, the defensive line, their receivers. And yet, you know, here they are at 6-2. and You know, Michael Thomas has played not even two full games. Well, basically, yeah, two full games. Um, But Sean Payton's magnificent. The roster top to bottom is great. So, you know, I look at them sort of like, Pittsburgh in the in the AFC that you know they have great coaching they have a great top to bottom roster so they don't really have like a a glaring weakness I think as long as they stay healthy they should feel confident about winning the entire NFC um, as far as the Bucks go their offensive line is still a little problematic it, it's better it's a lot better actually this year than it was say the last four years just because Tristan Wirfs is a huge upgrade over what Demar Dotson was um, but Donovan Smith. <laughs> You know, I, I was nice to him uh, while Jameis was there and everything. You, you know, but he can be problematic. Um, the line just got abused tonight, and they've got to run block better. You know, that was always the issue for for the last five years, well, four years, was they just couldn't run block. And Worf seemed to fix that, uh, especially uh, Gronk adding in, you know, sort of as a blocking tight end. Um, but they've got to run block better. Their defense is is weird. It's loaded with big names and playmakers on all three levels. Like, I mean, they've got athletes everywhere. Devin White looks like a future Hall of Famer. Levante David's one of the most underrated linebackers in NFL history, really. He's, he's, he's magnificent. Nobody ever talks about him. Um, you know, they've got studs up front. Their defensive backfield is young but talented, long, lanky. But, yeah, for some reason, they just have a, a tendency to make opposing quarterbacks all look like prime Dan Marino. It, it's, it's weird. And... Um, I don't really think it's on Bowles because I think Bowles basically fixed the defense from what it was to what it is and how dynamic it can be. But, you know, those young DBs, they still, they'll, they'll just get burned a lot. So 
I look at the the Bucks. You know, I still think they're a legitimate contender, especially if they go into the playoffs healthy and some other teams aren't. Um, you know, but if they face up against the Saints again or against any team that can stop the run, I think it could be difficult. It it doesn't matter how many weapons Brady has. There's only one ball to go around. Brady isn't what he once was, although he still has a much bigger arm than Drew Brees. Um, but he's not used to trying to be Jameis. He's not used to going out there and just carrying a team with no run game and, and being told to sling it. That's not his thing. I mean, even tonight he was checking down when he should have been taking some shots. So I, I think the Bucks are definitely a tier below uh, where the Saints are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, in my opinion, there are two teams uh, where the Saints are. It's the Saints and the Chiefs. Um, I, I, I know the Steelers, um, you know, you, you mentioned them. They've got great coaching. They've got a great lineup put together, but – they have a tendency to play to their competition. And I know, you know, they've done enough to win all of these games, but sitting at 8-0, I, I haven't seen, you know, a, a consistent domination of these teams, but more of letting them hang around and, and, and see what happens. And so I'm worried about that from the Steelers' perspective. But uh, let's keep it moving here with these teams, uh, Super Bowl contending teams. Two of them faced off today, the Seahawks and the Bills. This was a this was a big surprise to me. I mean, we the the Bills were a little bit iffy in the last few weeks. They let the Patriots hang around. They've been struggling playing going up against some really good competition. And then they go out and and you know, get nearly 500 yards of total offense against a Seahawks defense which is trending towards historically bad. Um but I I just I want to know like is what is the like is the Seahawks because I understand you know yards and and whatever don't represent advanced metrics and and there doesn't account for garbage time but this is yet another team to to light up this Saints or this this Seahawks defense and this is with Jamal Adams back um, it, is this Seahawks defense as bad as it as it looks when you're when you're watching them play Yeah I, I think it is um, you know some people have been mad at me sort of throughout this season because I've, I've talked a few times and, and put out a few tweets that I'm just not very high on the Seahawks and I just haven't been all year yes Russell's fantastic but you know a lot of times their run game doesn't get going and then Russ has to do it all and and again you know he he then sees how Jameis was living and um you know and he throws a bunch I mean today he had two picks and two fumbles lost Mm -hmm. um and he was trying to carry them that that's just what happens to a quarterback when they're trying to carry an offense and then that defense is I mean they're terrible you know the Buffalo Bills defense isn't isn't anything really to write home about either Mm -hmm. um but Buffalo didn't have any problem with Seattle. I mean, controlling the game, really. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not very high on Seattle. I definitely expect them to make the playoffs. You know, um, they can still win their division. But you get into the playoffs, and I, I just expect that defense to be shredded by somebody. So even if they happen, you know, manage to get through the NFC and face the Chiefs or somebody, somebody's going to shred them. That defense just it doesn't appear to be anywhere near Super Bowl level. Yeah, and, and they have the luxury of having Russell Wilson, who is – you know, making the case to be the best quarterback in the NFL, certainly one of the best. Uh, but like you said, I mean, he can only do so much on a consistent basis because you know he can he can throw for 400 yards and and beat up on these on these poor teams uh, and, and and not poorly or not well built defensive teams. But when you get to the playoffs, especially as you get into the later rounds, these are these are complete football teams, right? Like it's going to be hard. Uh, and like you said. I mean, they still they lost by ten, but the Bills kept them at arm's length for the majority of the game. Um, 
so so from from that standpoint, it really wasn't you know too close of a contest. So I'm assuming you know, and you look at Russell Wilson got hit. I think it was 15 times today, which was a which was a, a, a the highest so far this season. And I'm pretty sure if we look at the the top 10 list of most hits, he's got to be up there for a couple of them, just because that offensive line is is so bad. So I, we've addressed a couple of these Seahawks holes uh, that, that they have. Let's talk about the Bills. The Bills, regardless of their struggles over the last few weeks, are still seven and two. They're still one of the best teams in the AFC. But what's keeping them from from getting to the Super Bowl? They need to be able to run the ball more effectively as well. Um, Josh Allen is, you know, a, a lot of people they don't recognize his talent, but I mean, I've been saying it since since you know he came into the draft. He's an all-time talent. I mean, you're, you're talking maybe you know top three to five all-time talents in NFL history as far as just his full makeup. Um, he's magnificent, but he's still raw. He shouldn't be asked to carry the team, and he is. You know, at least the offense, and no quarterback can carry a team. But he shouldn't be asked to carry the offense, and he is. Um, and a lot of times, you know, guys like that, they don't finish the season. You know, they wear down. I mean, yeah, he's a big, strong kid. He's young, blah, blah, blah. But he needs help. They, they need to get their run game going, and their defense is pretty bad, too. Um, you know, I think what we saw today is, yeah, they're better than Seattle, but I, I wouldn't say that they're like a full tier above Seattle. Uh, you know, if those two teams matched up again in the Super Bowl, which I don't expect, but if it did – it'd be a closer game probably, you know, the CX would see him a second time. Um, so I think Buffalo is going to run away with their, with their division, but you know, how they match up against a team like Baltimore, Kansas city, even Tennessee. I don't know. I, I still sort of see them definitely below uh, Kansas city, you know, a little below Pittsburgh and probably even a little below Tennessee. Cause they're not as well-rounded of a team. They're, they're asking Josh Allen to do too much. Mm, yeah, and and we saw that because I think for a couple of games when they struggled, Josh Allen didn't really look the same. But today he was, you know, back to where he was at the beginning of the season when they had that success. I mean, I'm hoping that that Zach Moss once he gets his feet under him because he, I think he was in the first game, got hurt, missed a couple of weeks, and is now just starting to make his way back. Uh, I think he's been on the field for about three weeks now, so I'm hoping that that he's going to make a difference. He's a guy I've I've been tracking, you know, since he came out of Utah, um, and I think it was a perfect fit for him in Buffalo. But I agree with you 100. Uh, percent They have to get going, or else you you know there, there's no point. Um, but let's keep it rolling. Yeah, and, and, just, and just real quick, you know, on on Buffalo too, you know, point differential. Is is a very uh, good stat for people to look at. A lot, a lot of people think it's it's not that important, but it really is. I mean, usually at the end of the season, the top teams, those will be the playoff teams. And you look at Buffalo; they played nine games. They're a plus nine. You know, they're outscoring their opponent on average by one point per game. The Dolphins, who nobody thinks you know is a legitimate Super Bowl contender, of course, they're a plus sixty-one in just eight games. So. Yeah, Buffalo, their record is a lot better than what their point differential would suggest. And that is a little bit concerning for a Bills fan, you know, as they go towards the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, and, and there are a couple other teams, too, on the on the opposite end of the spectrum, which we could be looking at for uh, for a, a late push. Uh, you look at the, the Falcons and the Chargers, both have uh, under minus 15 point differential, even though they're a couple games under 500. Uh, and I mean, we could talk you know, plenty about how they've, you know, blown leads towards the end, but uh, we'll, we'll stick to the, we'll stick to the contenders for now. Um, let's talk about the chiefs. So the chiefs, the offense has come alive as of late the last three weeks, scoring 30 plus points. Uh, it was a close one against the Panthers today. One that I don't know if many people expected, maybe, maybe you did, but uh, you know, they pulled it out. 
Uh, unfortunately, Joey Sly wasn't able to hit another 67-yarder, which, by the way, I mean, it's an impossible situation that they're putting in, him in. I mean, if he makes it, he's a hero. If he misses it, uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but you don't really expect it to go in from that distance. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had the leg for it, which which amazed mm-hmm. me. I, I didn't care that he that he missed it. I was just like, wow, you know, the kid could have hit it. So <laughs> he's fantastic. Yeah. Well, and, and even the, the one last week too was, I mean, inches, like that's one of the, that's one of the closest misses I think we've seen at least this season, but um, especially from that distance. Yeah. But, but what are the, I mean, I, I believe the chiefs are, are the most complete team in the NFL right now, even with the opt outs and especially after adding Le'Veon Bell. Um, is there something that they're missing or is it, you know, another situation like the saints where it's just, you know, pray that you stay healthy. Yeah. I, I think, I think they're the, I think they're the class of the entire NFL, and I would put the Saints um, just a little bit below them, and then you start with everybody else. So I mentioned the Steelers as a comparable to the Saints simply because they have that great top-to-bottom roster and good coaching. However, if the Saints and Steelers met on a neutral field, I think the Saints win, and I don't think it's all that close. I think the Saints are just – I think their coach is a little better. I think their roster is a little better. I think their quarterback is a little better. Um, But the Chiefs, I do think they're the the cream of the crop in the NFL – I think Mahomes now has has completely separated himself from the MVP field as well. Um, you know, some people were mentioning Brady, but that that's over. Um, Russell still has a chance. You know, Josh Allen even still has a chance. Um, who knows? Big Ben. Hey, the Steelers can go sixteen and zero. I don't see that happening. But Mahomes, I mean, he's sitting there with twenty five touchdowns and one pick. Insane. Andy Reid's system is amazing. I mean, you just watch them, and dudes are just wide open the whole game. It's awesome. Um, so I say, I say Kansas City is good to go as long as they stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, can't can't agree with you more on that one. Okay, let's talk Steelers now because this one I want to spend a little bit of time on because coming into the season I think I had them at eight and eight. So I mean that prediction technically isn't wrong yet. They just have to lose their next eight games, which obviously I don't think is going to happen. They've outplayed <laughs> my expectations, but you look at their eight wins. Five of them have come uh, from uh, or have been within one point. Which you know isn't isn't completely ideal, and and like you mentioned with the point differential, they're they're third uh, in the NFL at um, with with seventy four, but a lot of that's buoyed by their big win against the Browns. You know that that's a good chunk, uh, just about half or just under half of, of their total wins. But I mean they're playing close with the Texans, the Broncos, uh, and today the Cowboys. Uh, and you know maybe Garrett Gilbert is that good, but you know we expected this defense to be the best in the NFL, elite. But we haven't. I haven't seen enough dominant performances to to know I can trust them in the AFC. I still think it's the Chiefs. Is there something the Steelers can do to to move up the rankings a little bit? Um, you know, I mean, if they get the home field advantage, you know, right now they have it because they haven't lost. So if they get the home field advantage, that'll help a lot. Um, I don't think they're on the Chiefs level on a neutral field. I think if they have to go to Arrowhead, they're going to get smoked. Um, their defense, you know, is carrying them. Their defense is magnificent. Mm-hmm. Big Ben's fine. I mean, his stats have been fine. He, he doesn't look like the Big Ben, really, that I remember. Um, and I, I'm a huge Roethlisberger guy. I mean, I, I love that guy. I, I've studied his game since college, too, and just I think he's fantastic. Um, but he doesn't look like the same player. And their run game is sort of spotty. Some games it can be great. Some games it's off. So, for me, Pittsburgh, I, w- I wouldn't say they're fool's goal. What I would say is that they play down to their competition. You know, when when they can, when you can go back to back weeks at Tennessee and at Baltimore and win them both, I mean you're you're a very good quality football team. Mm-hmm. 
But then, yeah, you look at some of their other wins. I mean, they squeak one out against the Broncos and, you know, the Eagles. and the, it, Today with the Cowboys, they really should have lost that game. So I think they just play down to their competition, which, you know, should have their, their fans feeling good because you come playoff time and everybody's a good opponent and you're gonna, they're going to play their best game. So, um, you know, I still I had the Ravens winning that division. Uh, I was very surprised that Pittsburgh won, you know, at Baltimore. But now, you know, they're two games up. And at the moment, they hold the tiebreaker. They're probably, they could probably win in Pittsburgh. So they look like a top-two seed, but I still wouldn't put them on Kansas City's level. Yeah, I'm, and I'm with you. I had the, I had the Ravens winning that division, too. Um, and I think that's a good place. to. Well, I guess we can talk about Tennessee, too. But we'll, we'll, we'll transition now to the Ravens. Um, had a, a, a big win over the Colts, my Colts. And I know every time I have you on, we talk about the Colts and you're going to tell me that, you know, you don't believe in them and, and Phillip Rivers just just can't seem to to put it together. And unfortunately, as the weeks go by, uh, I'm beginning to agree with you. I think the last couple of weeks were good. He played well. But when you, when you play the Baltimore Ravens and you hold them to 2.9 yards to carry and don't allow, allow them to rush once over 10 yards, and you still can only put up 10 points, you're not going to win a lot of football games. Uh, so, so was this game indicative of how good these these Ravens are uh, on the defensive side as well as the offensive side? Or are the Colts, like you've been saying all season, simply uh, a quarterback away from really being a, a successful team? Yeah, I mean, I don't like to say because I love Phillip Rivers. And I think he, he should walk into the Hall of Fame when he's done playing. I know a lot of people don't think he's a Hall of Famer. To me, he's a no-brainer Hall of Famer. Um, maybe not first ballot, but still a no-brainer. He'll, he'll get in early. Um, but I just feel like Indianapolis, they have a roster built to win now, but they're missing a dynamic quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I never viewed them as a Super Bowl contender. They've actually... They've actually honestly surprised me a little bit. I, I sort of thought they'd be 4-4. Four and four. I figured they would have lost, um, you know, at the Lions. And they didn't. They smacked them good. So they're, they're beating the teams they should be. Of course, that, you know, early season loss to the Jaguars looks bad, and, and it could hurt them. But they're beating the teams they should be, and they're getting smacked by the teams that are better than them. So they have a shot at the playoffs, you know, especially the NFL is talking about maybe even opening up to eight teams. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they have a shot to get in, but if they get in, I think they're one and done because as good as their roster is top to bottom, I I, I just don't see their, their offense is going to score enough points. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, I, I think, and something we probably have discussed before, but the the run game is more concerning to me than than what we've seen from Philip Rivers. I, I think our ability to, to get a lead and, and keep teams off um, what was good earlier on in the season, but now we see some issues with Jonathan Taylor. They're leaning towards Jordan Wilkins, who is nowhere near of a talented back. And I mean, I'm echoing a lot of what Colts fans think, but you know, we really miss Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack was slated to be the guy one A to Jonathan Taylor's one B. And and we kind of thrust Jonathan Taylor into this one A role. And now, you know, he's getting out snapped or or, excuse me, not out snapped, but out carried by, by Jordan Wilkins, um, who's a talented player, but you know, not the guy you picked, in the second round this year. Um, so big, big game coming up Thursday night against the, the Titans winner is, is first in the division um, and is going to go a long way, obviously into deciding what happens. Um, so that'll be, I'm looking forward to that one, watching that one in a, in a big way. But I mean, Lamar Jackson wasn't incredibly impressive and, and that's kind of the tune we've seen all season. He's taken a step back from, you know, what was a, a record breaking season. So, you know, obviously you have to keep that in mind when, when talking about him, but um, I mean, 
there hasn't been a ton of uh, I expect him to take a bigger leap in the passing game, uh, whether it was just throwing the ball more or, or, or throwing further, you know, what looks good in those advanced metrics. Um, but we haven't seen that yet. Is that enough to keep the Ravens in the Super Bowl conversation or are they going to you know, are they just going to be kind of fizzling out as these games progress? I would say the Ravens should be able to beat any team they face on a neutral field other than Kansas City and New Orleans. Um, and that includes Pittsburgh, even though they already lost them. They should have a, a very good legitimate shot. I think the Saints are a, a well-rounded enough team, um, and Drew is, is smart enough to, you know, he'll just masterfully work that game no matter how good Baltimore's defense is, that I think it would take, you know, some sort of lucky bounce for them to get that game. And same with the Chiefs. I think it may take a couple lucky bounces because Mahomes will shred the Ravens. Um, it doesn't matter how good their defense is, and it's not just Mahomes. It's Mahomes and Andy Reid. It's that combination. They will find a way to shred Baltimore. So I think if Baltimore is going to get to the Super Bowl, it's probably going to take you know either some health issues on Kansas City or some lucky bounces. Um, but they should feel good about where they're at. They're 6-2. and two. Even if they don't win their division, they're going to be a tough out for anyone. You know, and that includes Kansas City. They'll be a tough out. Um, but Lamar, he, you know, he needs that run game. Uh, I had talked about this uh, before that, you know, if you take away all of his rushing yards last year, they were still like a top 10 rushing, maybe top mm-hmm. seven rushing team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he needs that because in the games that you see where Lamar doesn't have the rushing help, he looks entirely different. He looks like a totally different player. And so it's, it's just paramount that, especially in the playoffs, that they get an early lead so they can rely on their run game. And that's the problem with facing a team like, uh, the Saints and the Chiefs that can put a lot of points on the board is a lot of times you know you fall behind early and, and then you get out you get off of what you want to do. Mm, yeah, no, and, and that that's really the the key to it. You know, as hard as it is, but it's like if you get it are able to get a double digit lead, force the Ravens to throw, you're going to be in good shape. But the problem is a lot of teams aren't good enough to to get that double digit lead uh, on the Ravens. But uh, okay, so we've talked. Super Bowl contenders, I think we've got a good a good quality list and, and a checklist for them to accomplish, uh, you know, if they are to make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, but now I want to look I want to look uh, at at college. I want to look at the the up and coming quarterbacks. I mean, we've seen a couple of guys uh, bump into this first round conversation, Zach Wilson and, and and Kyle Trask with their play this season. But the number one guy is the number one guy, and that is that is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so we've heard some rumors out there that he potentially may be considering going back to Clemson. Uh, and there are also, you know, those rumors that follow that, oh, he doesn't want to play with the Jets. He should force a trade. Um, what? Just give me your overall two cents on this uh, uh, on this Trevor Lawrence situation, because this isn't even this isn't a new thing. I mean, Joe Burrow did the exact same thing last year by not even really saying anything. But the, the media kind of blew it out of proportion. So I want to hear what you've got to say about this whole Trevor Lawrence situation. Trevor, you know, the people that are saying Trevor won't come out, that he'll, that he'll stay at Clemson, that would shock me. I mean, that, that would shock me like, you know, Kanye winning the presidency would have shocked me. <laughs> um, you know, Trevor is the no-brainer, number one overall pick. Um, in my view, he's the greatest quarterback prospect in history. Um, you know, you can talk about John Elway, whatever, but to me, Lawrence is the greatest prospect in history. Um, I literally had to block a guy on Twitter today, and I, I don't like to block people unless they're just, like, really crude or insane or anything. But he wanted to debate Trevor Lawrence with me, and it got to the point where he was saying that, you know, Lawrence didn't have the arm strength, uh, you know, necessary for the NFL, 
and wasn't athletic enough. And I was like, I, I can't, my brain can't handle that level of idiocy. So I literally had to block him. <laughs> but, um, no, Trevor is, he's easily the number one overall pick. You know, so it's not like he can improve his draft status by going back to school. Um, you know, secondly, while people think that the Jets are a terrible organization, and honestly, I'm one of those people. I think they're bad. I think they ruined Sam Darnold. Um, but Trevor is that prospect that can call the shots from day one. He's not a rookie that needs to come in and fit in. He, he has the cachet already, you know, as a, however old he is, 20, 21, to just walk in to the Jets organization and start calling shots. He can demand Adam Gase be fired. He probably could ask for Dabo to be hired if he wants. But I think they could go get a guy like Eric Bieniemy, and I'm sure he'd be thrilled with that. Mm-hmm. You know, he sees what Mahomes is doing. So I don't, I don't look at the Jets as as terrible um, a position for him to fall as I once did, simply because they have a ton of cap space, and I think they would allow him to start calling the shots right away. So I don't think he'll hold out. Um, I would love to see him do it. I would love to see him, you know, throw his weight around and, and try to get to where he wants to go. That'd be fantastic because I'm all for player empowerment. And if, if he can do that, if he can pull an Eli Man into John Elway, go for it. You know, go for it. I, I think the the Redskins obviously would trade up. I think pretty much almost any team would trade up uh, to number one to get him. And I think Colin Coward had a segment, and he was talking about teams that that wouldn't. He said it was. it's easier to think of the teams that wouldn't trade up. You know, I mean, maybe New England wouldn't. And I'm thinking, are you insane? New England would kick Cam out the door to get Trevor Lawrence. What are you talking about? You know, um, so I think almost every team in the NFL, now not the Chiefs, but almost every other team would love to have Trevor Lawrence. So I can't imagine him going back to school. The other reason is because his backup, DJ, to me is probably the number one overall pick in 2023. That kid is another magnificent talent who's ready to start next year, deserves to start next year, and I don't think Trevor would come back to keep him on the bench another year. I, I think I'd be shocked if, if Lawrence doesn't enter the draft, but it won't shock me if he if he uh, throws his weight around and tries to get to where he wants to go. Yeah, and, and a lot of people that are a lot smarter than I am are actually really big fans of, of Joe Douglas, the GM in New York. Um, but I will say, uh, going along with, with you know him calling the shots, I don't think... I think regardless of whether or not Trevor Lawrence is hired, that Adam Gase is on his way out the door. You know, I think he may want him gone, but I don't think it's going to take take too much um, uh, convincing to, to kick Adam Gase out, maybe before the season even ends. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I would, if I had to bet, I would guess that he they let him finish the year just because what's the point of an interim? I think they're trying to lose all their games anyways. <laughs> so if the organization's mad with Adam... I would imagine they'd like to keep him there and put all those losses on his record. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, that's a little bit spiteful, but seriously, I mean, he came in and just did absolutely nothing and, and sort of, you know, oversaw Sam Darnold's regression. So, um, you know, and the Jets are in a good position with Darnold, too. I mean, if, if Trevor will play there and doesn't threaten to, to hold out or whatever, I think they can get something for Darnold. You know, I, I don't think it's a... I don't think it's a Josh Rosen situation or, or anything like that. I don't think they'll have to give him away or get a fourth or a third. Or I think they can get a solid pick for him. It wouldn't even shock me to see the Colts go get him. Darnold can play. Anybody that watches the tape can see Sam Darnold is a talent. He has a legitimate arm. He has really good athleticism for a quarterback. He's not dumb. He's a smart quarterback. The kid can play. He's in a terrible situation. So, you know, I think they can get something for him. They have a, a ton of draft picks anyways. They've got a lot of cap space. Um, 
I could see them really, you know, getting Lawrence in there, getting his coach in there, and, and loading up, and uh, you know, and making a, a quick run at things. You know, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to see him throw his weight around, but if he ends up in New York, that's fine. Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I, obviously, we've talked about this before, before, but I mean, I think they can get a decent, uh, a, a top day two pick for him um, at, at this point, just from what we've seen from San Darnold. Because, like you said, I mean, Josh Rosen, it, it didn't look good, but there are bits and pieces where you say, all right, in the right system, given the right situation, uh, and, and the right coaching, Sam Darnold can still be a, a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback in the NFL. So, for sure, for him, even if they do get Trevor Lawrence, his, his career is far from over. Um, but before we let you go, I know we were talking about this a little bit, um, and I just wanted to give you uh, uh, the, the rest of this time here to talk about the, the recent um, election uh, and how that has unfolded. Obviously, it took a lot of days for us to get the results, and it was a situation where we, um, you know, we weren't really sure. There was a lot of, ten, uh, a lot of tension, and at least in, the, in the, the meanwhile, things have been relatively um, peaceful and calm, and, and people are optimistic. But I wanted to give the the rest of the time here to you to, to to talk about this election a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't usually talk you know politics on Twitter, although I've, I've been, you know, I'm fascinated. Um, I'm not America. I wasn't born in America. I don't live in America, uh, so I'm not a voter. Um, but I love following American politics because there's really nothing like it. I mean, I actually do follow politics and political races around the world. But American politics are just different. They they sort of capture the imagination of everyone on earth. Um, you know, and obviously with the guy that was in the White House, <laughs> he made it even easier because he's always tweeting and everything else. Um, but I just, I saw, you know, how divisive it was. And, you know, I'm following football players and Demario Davis for the, the Saints. You know, he's a, he's a Christian like myself. And, and he put a tweet out there and he didn't even back Biden or Trump. He, he just put something out there that was basically saying, you know, I'm glad everybody voted, you know, the, the powers with the people, something like that. I can't remember exactly what he said. But I saw, you know, multiple people kind of attacking him and saying, you know, how dare you claim to be a Christian and support a Democrat? And so I kind of jumped in on his behalf and I said, you know, DeMario's probably not going to reply to you, but I will. I'm a theologian. I'm a Christian. I will. And I said, my perspective on things is that I support whoever wins. You know, I, I pray that God's will be done in their life and in their work. And, you know, that's what I do. I don't have a team, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, whoever wins is who, who I'm going to pray for. And so that's always the way I look at it, even with the country that I'm in at the moment or, you know, another country I'm in where, where I have a house or whatever. I don't care who wins. And I see politics a lot, you know, like NFL teams. And people treat what's going on sort of as like a pass interference call, you know, where you're sitting with a buddy and, you know, one's a Bucks fan, one's a Saints fan, and there's a, there's a controversial pass interference call. It doesn't really matter what the truth is. The Bucks fan is going to want the, the pass interference called for his team and the Saints for his team. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what I see with politics, that a lot of people, they're, they're so emotional that they kind of remove truth or facts or anything from the equation, and they, they can't even really think straight about it. So, you know, I noticed even just running, like, some fun polls for people to sort of vote on and interject their own thoughts. You know, I lost, like, I think around 300 followers just over election season, and I never – I never backed one candidate or the other. I mean, I made it really clear to everybody. I just, I love everybody. I'll pray for whoever wins, and I'm good. And people are like, yeah, you're an idiot for saying that. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, I know both sides are, are still really passionate about it. Um, 
if I had to predict, I mean, I, I've tried to sort of read into all the American laws and, and like how things work through their, their governmental system and, and lawsuits and all that. Um, you know, and I've had some talks with with Biden supporters and uh, and also with Trump supporters. That's what's you know kind of strange about me is I'll get DMs uh, from people all the time, and you know, they'll some people will be absolutely positive. I'm, you know, pro Biden and I hate Trump. And other people will be absolutely positive that I'm pro Trump and I hate Biden. And I tell everybody, dude, I love everybody and I will pray for whoever wins. And I actually don't care who wins. You know? mm. And and uh, people don't like that. But kind of from what from what I've looked into and see, you know, I think Trump will try to fight through the courts, and he'll probably be unsuccessful. And at that point, from you know, and I may be wrong. I'm not an expert on this, but at that point, it seems to me that there is something called the dueling electors that he could go to and that could keep the literally keep him in the white house even if he did lose the popular vote and even if he did sort of technically lose the electoral college vote and from what i've seen like in american media they're not really talking about that because from what i understand it's a a nuclear option that like no politician would ever consider but trump's not a politician Mm -hmm. he's he's kind of you know an entertainer a businessman he's he's doing his own thing he's you know i think he's he's more he's not really for a party he's more you know, concerned with his legacy and this and that. And honestly, you know, his legacy is sort of as the outsider. So people saying, well, if he concedes, that'll help his legacy. Will it? Will it really? Because that's what everybody does. That is what all politicians do. In his mind, he may be thinking, if I'm the first person to refuse to leave, that will build my legacy the most, you know, the most. Yeah. So I I could see that happening. I could see him trying to do this dueling electors and, and then, you know, just everything sparks off. So it's it's not that I hope that could happen, but I definitely could see it happening. And, um, yeah, I mean, I would just say that, you know, for me and for a lot of people like me, uh, I'm an Orthodox Christian, that, you know, I just pray for whoever wins. You know, if, if I had a, a big, like, group chat on, on Twitter and I said, you know, if Biden wins, then God bless Biden, God bless Kamala, and I'll, and I'll pray for them. If Trump happens to win, which I don't really see how he can, but, well, then I'll pray for him. Um, I can't hate anybody. I mean, I just can't. You know, Jesus Christ died for me and expects me to love people the way he loves me, so I have to. That That's my thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, and I love the way that, that you worded that, because that's really what it does come down to, is is we see people that are just married to a party. And like you, I, I love the analogy with the sports teams, but really it is, you know, all about the, the better future and prosperity for, for everybody. And regardless of how that happens, that's something that we should, you know, be all in support of. So I love that. Thank you uh, for for your wise words. Thank you for coming on to talk some sports with me. You're always welcome anytime, uh, and we will have to get you on real soon. My pleasure. Have a great night, brother.